0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe. All righty, welcome back to After Hours with Defoe Luby. Defoe had to run, but I'm still here, and I'm super excited to talk to our next guest, a man that's been a sports columnist for a very long time with one of the best uh, papers in the country, the Philadelphia Inquirer. He also has a podcast, I Am Kobe, and a new book coming out January 11th, The Rise, Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality. The one and only Mike Silski joins us today on After Hours. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing?
0: Doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for joining us here on After Hours, Mike. So I want to get to it. I know you've covered a lot of things. Philadelphia sports is always fun. But a guy that, even though he didn't play really outside of high school in Philadelphia, that is sort of a hero in Philadelphia and a hero to all of us, God rest his soul. The one and only Kobe Bryant. How long, what is your connection to Kobe? I mean, I know you do a podcast. You have a book coming out that's very highly anticipated. Uh, He is a Philadelphia icon, but he actually hasn't played there since high school. We know his dad, Joe Jellybean. Brian was out there. Uh, What is your connection to Kobe Bryant?
0: So when I was in college at LaSalle University, Joe Bryant, Kobe's dad, was the assistant men's basketball coach there. And at the time, we all thought there was a rumor going around. It was kind of hot and heavy. Oh, Kobe's going to come play at LaSalle for his dad. And resurrect the program and all this kind of stuff. Um, unbeknownst to us, and as college kids, he was uh, plotting to jump straight from high school to the NBA. And uh, and that's kind of where my journey with Kobe began. I covered him a little bit here and there while he was with the Lakers throughout his career, whenever he'd come to Philadelphia, things like that. But more importantly, I have a, a longtime friendship with a confidant of Kobe's named Jeremy Treatman, who was a friend of Kobe's, um, coached him in high school a little bit, covered him a little bit. And Kobe and Jeremy had uh, tried to collaborate on a book back in 1996 about Kobe. It didn't work out. But Jeremy had done a series of interviews with him on microcassette tapes, and it transcribed some of them. So when I started working on this book on Kobe after his death last year, uh, I reached out to Jeremy. He gave me the transcripts but couldn't find the tapes. And then three days before Christmas, Jeremy's cleaning out his garage. He finds a box with the tapes gives them to me, so I'm able to use them to help write my book, and I'm able to to use them to create this podcast, I Am Kobe, where people can actually hear a 17-, 18-, 19-year-old Kobe talking about his hopes, his dreams, his goals, who he likes, who he doesn't like, all this stuff, and uh, it's like hearing his voice from beyond the grave.
1: We are talking with Mike Silski, longtime Philadelphia Inquirer, sports columnist. You can follow him and hit him up on Twitter, at Mike Silski, S-I-E-L-S-K-I. He has the book coming out January 11th, The Rise, Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality. Kobe Bryant, a man that was a legend in in life, and that's, might be, that's funny, might be an understatement to call Kobe just a legend. He was an icon. Uh, he was immortal Immortal then. Um, he will always be with us. And it's interesting, you followed him his entire career. What I find... Um, not curious, but the the you talk about the rise, but the growth of Kobe, right? Because we taught, we heard of him as a younger kid who went after Michael Jordan. He was never scared. He and Shaq had their stuff, but then he became a leader with the Lakers, and then after his career winning, winning Oscars and books, and he always had his hands on the game of basketball, and it seems like as a human, as a person, he grew a lot, not only as a player, but outside after the game of basketball.
0: No, I think you're 100% right about that, Mike. I think that's part of the reason that his death um, resonated and struck so many people, struck a chord with so many people, is that his later life had struck a chord with so many people. You know, he traveled this kind of narrative or arc of redemption, right? He had, his story and his life had its dark places. Let's not forget what happened in Aurora, Colorado in '03 and '04. You know, the, the back and forth, as you mentioned, with Shaq and with Phil Jackson and some of the selfishness that he could display – But the thing about Kobe, the thing that kind of separated him even from Michael Jordan, was that there was this sense that he was growing and getting better as a man, that he was becoming a great father, that he was improving as a husband, that he had found these things outside of basketball, whether it was movies or storytelling or writing, uh, coaching basketball, that were giving him joy and leading him to better, deeper places. And so when he died at age 41, as suddenly as he did, there was this – Sadness, not only for who he was and had been, but because everybody felt like there was more to come with him. What was he going to do next? He was growing and evolving continually. And so his death, that helicopter crash, you know, not only took his life, it took his daughter's life, Gianna. It took the lives of those seven poor souls who were on board with him. But it also ended this story that we had all kind of gotten on board for this ride to see – what Kobe Bryant was going to be as he continued to age.
1: I want to touch on something, and again, uh, Mike Silsky here, the book coming out January 11th, The Rise, Kobe Bryant, and the Pursuit of Immortality, and he gets really into uh, Kobe's life, and as you just heard, which is really cool actually, cuts of Kobe as a 17, 18, 19-year-old on his podcast, I Am Kobe. Uh, again, Philadelphia Inquirer, Sports columnist Mike Silsky with us here in After Hours with Defoe and Luby on the Believe Podcast Network. You brought it up, Michael Jordan. What I always found interesting is, see, Jordan was the guy that was cut from, we always heard the story, cut from the high school basketball team, even though by like a week later, he was probably back on the team. Like, Kobe Bryant had a very different upbringing. Like, the dude had money. His dad was an NBA player, well-respected NBA player. He traveled the world. He lived overseas. He spoke tons of languages. Extremely bright. Yet... His competitive streak. Some people say it's not only next to Jordan's. Sometimes it's superseded Jordan's, and it, it's. I find it sort of funny. Like usually, you see the hunger, uh, the chip on the shoulder, come from people who are always forgotten. Kobe was heralded. Like I heard about Kobe for years before he went to the pros. Like he was well known. Yet he still had this competitive streak of someone that had been sort of downtrodden. Like where did that come from? Like a kid that was quote unquote privileged. He didn't act like it.
0: Yeah, well, it came from two places. Number one, it just, I think it was inherent within him, but he was just born with it. Um, I think the other aspect of it, too, is that his, his upbringing played into it and intensified it and enhanced it in this regard. Number one, Joe Bryan, as you said, was a star basketball player himself in high school and in college, spent eight years in the NBA, but then spent eight years playing professionally in Europe. And Joe always felt like he got a raw deal in the NBA, that he was ahead of his time And coaches didn't know how to use a player of his skills. He was 6'9", could handle the ball like a guard. People said he was Magic Johnson before Magic Johnson. But he wasn't a star in the NBA, and he was bitter about that. And I think Kobe heard his dad talk like that and said, I'm going to restore the Bryant good name in basketball. And because he inherently had this competitiveness and drive, he had it all the time in a way that Joe only had it some of the time. Um, And I think part of that is because of his mother, Pam, who – You know, kind of indulged him when it came to basketball, but was made sure he was disciplined in just about every other aspect of his life, academics, you know, making sure he was well rounded culturally and socially as much as he could. So that as he got older as a teenager, he understood what he needed to do to be the best. And he was willing to do it no matter how unorthodox or unpleasant it might be. He was willing to be cruel to peers. He was willing to sacrifice friendships and relationships if it meant having to practice more and work on his game. Um, You know, he could live in a bunch of different worlds at the same time. And I think you see that early in his life at lower Marion high school. And you see that continue throughout his career with the Lakers. And again, to bring it back to what we were talking about before, I think only in the later years of his life, were we starting to see the true flowering of that, of that Kobe, in all the good ways that he, that he could be, the, the the aspects of life apart from basketball, where he could he could be at his best, whether it was as a father, a husband, you know, whatever else he was going to, whatever other exercises or goals he was going to pursue.
1: Well, Mike, and I want to actually, I find it interesting, you were bouncing around because Kobe had such. It feels like he lived five lives, and just uh, and he was only it was very young, early forties, when uh, he tragically passed. But it's funny because he, because he had that arc in that career very much like Michael Jordan, won a lot, was maybe not a me guy, but a, I'm the leader, I'm the man. I don't feel bad talking, not down to you, but trying to lead you in a really tough way like you just said. People sort of felt it seemed like what would he do after the NBA, right? He's the guy that's either going to be, he's going to need that competitive streak. We've seen Michael Jordan sort of struggle. You know, post-NBA, not really know what to do with himself, being such an uber-competitor. And like you said, it was the opposite. Kobe actually relished it, and he embraced it. Did he talk about that? Like, how did he, it seemed like it was almost a smooth, like, he, out of nowhere, is winning an Oscar. And people are like, what the hell? Where did this come from? Like, how was it so seamless for him? Because it felt like it was going to be more difficult for him than anyone else. And it might have been easier for him than a lot of people. Well, the groundwork for that was laid
0: when he was in high school and even before that. You know, one of his closest mentors when he was a teenager was his sophomore English teacher named Janie Mastriano. And, you know, in that honors English class, they're reading the Iliad and the Odyssey. And (laughs) Mastriano would teach the class about the hero's journey. And Kobe very much saw himself on that path, that he was going to emerge as a kind of hero, as a basketball player, but he was always a searcher intellectually and academically. And so, um, you know, and and then you had, of course, the dynamic that he he lived abroad for so long. So he was open to other cultures. He was open to people who were different from him, whether it was, you know, the Bryants being one of very few black families living in Italy at the time, or whether it was moving to Lower Merion where there are, White Anglo Saxon Protestants and Jewish people and wow. black people, all of whose backgrounds and upbringings are different from what Kobe experienced. So you have this kind of well roundedness of experience in Kobe that allows him, as he grows up, even though he is, you know, focused with a white hot intensity on basketball, once he leaves basketball behind, he's got the foundation to be able to move on to something else and to have that variety of perspectives and experiences to be able to take it and his life in whatever direction he wanted to take it.
1: We've really appreciated your time, Mike. Before we let you go, I do want uh, people to know how they can find the podcast. I, I, I know it's great and it seems really cool and different, actually, aside of Kobe. We really didn't get to see I Am Kobe. How can people get your podcast or listen to the podcast?
0: Uh, yeah, you can get, get the podcast anywhere you get them, you know, iTunes, whatever app you use, any source you use. Um, we're four episodes into it. We got, you know, six to ten more to go. And the book, uh, The Rise, Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality, it stores January
1: 11th. Thank you so much, Mike, for your time. Appreciate it. We look forward to the book. And I'll hopefully get to speak to you again. Be well.
0: Thank you, Mike. I would love that.
1: That was Mike Silski. That's another edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Very, what's funny about Kobe is I sort of despise him because he was that competitor and he was never on my team. I was not the biggest fan of Kobe Bryant uh, as a player but the stuff he did after basketball was truly impressive and was truly astounding and uh it was tragic like even as a guy that i did i didn't look up for him I sort of despised it, to sit back and watch him grow when players of his caliber that are that competitive really struggle post professional sports he didn't he actually excelled and it seemed again seamless I sat back and sort of became a fan. And when he passed, it was a very sad day. Good for Mike for uh, knowing him for so long, staying with it, and really telling the tale of Kobe. We knew a lot about Kobe Bryant. It seems like this book's going to tell us a lot we didn't know and remind us of some of the things we did know. Again, the book, The Rise, Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality comes out January 11th, and the podcast already out. Again, like Mike said, anywhere you can find it, I am Kobe. Thank you again to Mike Sielski from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Thank you to Defo. Thank you to you all for listening to us all week long. Check us out on our weekday show in the mornings from 7 to 9 live, ionchannel.com slash the defo show Or like Defo likes to say, just Google us, The Defo Show, D-E-F-O, The Defo Show. You can check that out on ION Channel. You can check us out here each and every day, Monday through Friday on After Hours with Defo and Luby on the Believe Podcast Network. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you Monday right here on After Hours, on the Believe Podcast Network.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery.